Well, as Paul Simon once said, these are the days of miracles and wonder, and sometimes those miraculous and wonderful things are things that are here that weren't here before, and sometimes they're things that are no longer here, and unfortunately, one of those things that are no longer here may be coming back, and you'll get to what I'm talking about in just a second. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle, here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. Guys, we think about, you know, we we rag on social media all the time, but the internet is miraculous. We we're having a conversation now, running businesses on the internet. All of the information available to the human uh, race is available if you're willing to go look for it. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been to the dentist as an adult and not just marveled at simple things like Novocaine and and uh, and high-speed uh, water-cooled electric drills and all the rest of these things. One of the great miracles of our age, however, is something that we don't see, uh, and that is that for the last 22 years and counting now, there has not been a crash of, an, of a major airliner in the United States over American territory in 22 years. There's something like 40,000 flights a day. When we were growing up, airline crashes were relatively frequent, once a year, maybe something like that. It was something to be worried about. We have not had an airline crash in this country in 22 years. Now, the reason for that has been that we've changed our procedures. We finally figured out how to do it. And honestly, it seemed to me like this may be something that is once in all of creation a per permanent solution to a problem. But I'm sad to say that this problem of airline disasters looks like it's heading back and for reasons that are not pleasant to talk about, but we need to talk about them. So guys, I've been keeping this under my hat for last year or so. I've been seeing signs about this in the aviation community. It's getting to be fairly public knowledge now. There have been in the last two years a dramatic, and I mean dramatic, increase in the number of near misses in our uh, national transportation system. And it has been not something that's, that's advertised because of the times we live in, but basically what seems to be a common factor among many of these, if not most of these uh, near misses, has been a lack of experience on the part of air traffic controllers and or pilots, usually air traffic controllers, and that these have been a result of diversity hires. So before we go another step, let me just get one thing very clearly out of the way. One of the greatest pilots, one of the greatest theoreticians, one of the greatest thinkers that I've ever been aware of, and one of my personal heroes is a guy named Chappie James, who's the first black American to be a four-star general in the United States Air Force. He and Robin Old set up the classic Operation Bolo uh, uh, ambush in, in Vietnam. Chappie James is one of the most capable men that ever lived. This has not got a question really to do with who you are or your skin color. The question is, when hiring takes place on the basis of something like skin color over experience, bad things are likely to happen. Steve, if I have a diversity hire that is below standards in HR, then the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to get more upset than maybe they should be. If I have somebody who's not experienced enough for the job, but who were hired to meet diversity quotas running a control tower at LAX, the consequences could be significantly worse than this. I saw an, a recreation of an incident, including the air traffic control tapes at a very cloudy field, small field, class, uh, probably there's a class Charlie or class Delta airspace. Fog conditions were terrible. The air traffic controller cleared a departing flight onto the runway for takeoff. There was an incoming jet on a two-mile final. That's 20 seconds. He could have said to the jet, hold, which he should have done. And if he cleared him for takeoff, he should have said, expedite your departure, but he didn't. So the one jet on the runway is running up his engines, taking a sweet time. Meanwhile, this other jet is landing in zero visibility conditions. And just as the jet on the runway started its takeoff roll, the guy coming down saw him on the, on the roll, got on the radio to the other pilot, because the air traffic controller set this collision up, 
and said to this, I think it was a Southwest flight, abort your takeoff. The Southwest pilot said negative. He's already going too fast to abort the takeoff. So the guy who was on the descent just peels off to the right and 300 people didn't die that day. Yeah. But the air traffic controller said, oh, sorry about that. Uh, and this is starting to happen so frequently that we're no longer talking about if, but, but, but when. when. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, off topic, but I just like to mention this at any chance I get. You mentioned uh, Colonel Olds. Uh, he always named his fighters General. SCAT. And no, no, this is this, uh, Colonel Olds. Big your pardon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Robin Olds. Robin Olds. And about uh, 10 years ago, I guess it was, um, is uh, SCAT 18, which was an F4. Each, each new plane just got a new number, was on display at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs. And because my father-in-law knows people in the business, because he was in the business, we got to go on a little private uh, viewing of a couple of F4s, one of which was the SCAT-18. And I was allowed to climb the ladder into the cockpit. And I got to sit hmm. there and it was really I saw cool. it a few saw it a few months ago at the Air Force Museum in, um, in Ohio. Oh, just... Just a great time, and they flew that mm. jet in. It was it's still still flying. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a uh, there's, there's an account I follow on Twitter that uh, is it's just a stuff of nightmares. Not that it's you know boo scary, but the account is called Battle Beagle, and I I think the actual handle is Harmless Yard Dog or, or something like that. And one of these anonymous but very well informed Twitter accounts, and if I remember correctly. I, if I don't have the quote exactly right, it's it's close enough. He wrote years ago that there's a, a thin veneer of expertise that stands between us and disaster. And he wasn't talking about any particular fields. He was talking about life in a modern world generally. Uh, but it certainly applies to air traffic control and th th this increase in the rate of close calls. Um, that thin veneer of, of expertise are the, are the people in these dangerous jobs who know what the hell they're doing and who are competent and, and good at their job. And that's it. That's, that's, those are the people who stand between us and airplanes colliding in the air. Those are the people who stand between us and the, the power station continuing to function normally, even though things go wrong from time to time. These are the people who keep the trains from colliding. Uh, these are the people who keep the oil fields pumping. Uh, there are so many... Uh, the medical profession, geez, how did I leave that one for last? Uh, there are so many of these fields where the actual layer of experts, uh, the guys in the field, guys and gals in the field who make things work, that layer is very, very thin. And we are losing our expertise. And if you want to see what happens, and this is one of the great underreported stories of the last 10 or 12 years, uh, South Africa, most of the country, the, the Western Cape might survive. South Africa is on the verge of becoming a failed state. It'll be the largest failed state we've ever seen. But the brownouts are pretty much permanent condition because everybody's stealing the lines. Uh, most of the experts, because of the country's complicated racial history, we're white, and a lot of them have been driven out of the country, and they're still being driven out of the country. Uh, so they can no longer feed themselves. They can't keep the power on. They can't keep anything running anymore. 
And most of South Africa is very close to failing. And you don't see these stories in the mainstream media, again, because of the complicated racial history. And we know we've got to have our good guys and our bad guys. And because of the history, the good guys got to be black. The bad guys got to be white. And so you can't tell a story about the white experts leaving the country. And now the country's falling apart. But Mark my words, if this is the first you're hearing of it, you will watch this happen over the next few years. And if you look for the stories, you can find them. You just have to find them in alternative news sources. So, Bill, that is that is what stands between us and disaster. And it just so happens that the air traffic field, air traffic control field is it's always so close to disaster that that's probably going to be the first place that we see the collapse come in this country. Well, the, the problem with an air with an air disaster is it's not like a uh, if a doctor makes a critical error you lose a patient if an air traffic controller makes a critical error you lose four hundred patients. Uh, Scott, I just want to be so clear about this. This is in a free society like ours where you're able to go wherever you want to. If you were to go to an airport, you would find nine out of ten of the people there men, probably closer to ninety five out of 100 would be males. If you were to go to an equestrian center, that number would be almost perfectly reversed. If you are saying to the equestrian center that you must hire 50% of the people who are in the equestrian events male, it's simply a statistical reality that if you are if you are if you are trying to over recruit from a pool that is not as large as as it should be, you're going to have to lower your standards. It's just a it's just a mathematical reality. This is not doing anybody any favors. The reason I'm opposed to affirmative action, let me just be, I just, I just want to be so clear about this. I am definitely opposed to affirmative action because of what affirmative action does to, to, to black Americans who did not have to come in under lower standards and who have to carry that sense of, was I, was I, a, was I an affirmative action hire? Things like the, um, national, the, the United Negro College Fund, on the other hand, is something that helps to deal with that imbalance. I don't, Think this is doing anybody any favor, Scott? Least of all the the people who are who are going to find themselves on the on the bubble here with this kind of thing. Yeah, I think there may be multiple factors at work here. I just read a story, I believe it was in the New York Times, about um, increased incidents of significant errors uh, that are being reported to the FAA, um, and air traffic controllers themselves are reporting on their colleagues for falling asleep at work, or people with mental health, obvious mental health issues, people uh, inebriated on the job. Um, there was a paragraph that said, uh, in the fiscal year that ended September 30th, there were 503 air traffic control lapses that the FAA preliminarily categorized as significant. That is 65% more than the prior year, even though air traffic increased only 4% over the prior year. Now, with considering all the employees out there and all the flights and all that kind of stuff, maybe 503 doesn't sound like a big number, but in a business where one small mistake can kill 300 people at once um, and more, um, it's significant. And, and I think... It, you know, there, there are a combination of factors involved. There may be people, in, as we see throughout society, who are underqualified for the work that they're doing. Um, there may be 
uh, understaffing issues where people are covering other people's shifts. There are employees who are irresponsible who call in sick when they're not really sick and leave their colleagues to to do extended shifts. Apparently, a lot of these air traffic controllers are now working six-day week, 10-hour days. Um, That's not good for this kind of job that it requires such intense focus. Um, And, you know, I I can't imagine that you and I are the first people having this conversation. I'm hoping that it's happening at the highest levels of the FAA, of the airlines, at the individual airports, and in how to deal with these challenges. And I'm also assuming that technology is going to lend a helping hand um, along the way, especially the ability of uh, massive data management systems being able to process what's going on and to better manage the 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 inflow and outflow from these large airports. Uh, but it's it's scary. Yes. Does it keep me from wanting? You know, I'm going to fly next week. Does it keep me from flying next week? No, it's not going to keep me from flying next week. But it does make me um, want to to see that our agency that's responsible for this is on the ball and doing something about it. So for those of you, fraction of percent of you who are not familiar with the fact I'm a thousand hour instrument rated pilot and and I've been in three single engine failures um, on single engine airplanes. Um, The, my, uh, my instrument instructor for, for most of that time was a woman which was superb. And the, there's an air traffic controller at Van Nuys Airport. There's a woman who's been there forever. She's legendary. Nice. She's one of the most capable people I have ever seen, not only capable, but friendly and, and helpful, which is a safety feature, especially yes. when you're dealing with new pilots. One of the uh, leading lights of the United States Air Force recently said, we've got to stop, um, we've got to stop hiring white males for pilots in the United States Air Force. Now, if it turns out that 95% of the applicants for the Air Force uh, flight schools are white males, then you can see that you've got a problem here. It's not that there are not qualified people who are either women, black, or whatever you want to whatever you want to fill in the blank with. It's not to say that they're not qualified. What is what is going on is to say when you have to artificially reach a number that is not supplied by the demand of the people who are who are seeking that kind of occupation and you have to lower your standards in order to reach this number then you are playing around with people's lives i mentioned we haven't had an accident in the last uh, fatal, uh, fatal crash in the last 22 years and by the way uh, sully uh, managed to keep that record intact through a remarkable uh, piece of airmanship so it just to wrap this up the quality of pilots is generally declining only because we used to have so many military pilots. The reason we were having so many air crashes before was not because the pilots weren't as good. They were probably better pilots in terms of their airmanship. One of the problems we kept running into with these fatalities prior to the last 22 years was that the pilots were too confident. They were too sure of themselves. They were lords of the sky. And if a co-pilot saw something he didn't like, then he'd better shut up because the captain is the captain and, and, and you're sitting there just to provide ballast so the plane doesn't roll over to the left. And so this is what changed. These procedures changed where co-pilots now are not only allowed to make decisions or, or question a pilot's judgments, they're required to. All of these things have provided us with a perfect safety record that is unequaled in the history of technology. And when you start to lower the quality of the people in a system that has nearly become perfected, then that system is going to start to fail. And you have to ask yourself, at what point do you want to make feeling good about something more important than the life of you, your your wife, and your kids as you fly off to Orlando for 
particular weekend. I'd like to think that this gets turned around before something like this happens, given the way that the FBI, the FAA, the government, the military, all of this stuff is running. I suspect that's not going to be the case. Um, I'm like Scott. I wouldn't be afraid to fly tomorrow. But if we start seeing these things continuing to happen, and if we don't recognize the cause of them and we continue to go down this road, then that opinion of mine might change a little bit. And I would hate to see that happen because it is, in fact, one of the miracles of the age. It's absolutely astonishing what we have done with uh, civilian aviation. And that record has been paid for in blood and the regulations are written in blood. And I would hate to think that the people who have died as a result of errors that have been corrected and who achieved so much as a result of their sacrifice will find out that some of that sacrifice was in vain because we were too stupid to follow our own advice. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.